Ion 2020, episode 37. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. Hey everybody, it's Ray Eaton, your host of Ion 2020, the place that you come to for all the news and the related events with regard to this 2020 election. Thank you for joining me. If you can, go ahead and uh, subscribe to the show. Put out a new show every day for you, Monday through Friday, and uh, I'm covering, what I'm trying to do is cover all of the news, uh, anything that I see that might be relevant information for you with regards to this 2020 election, and I take it from a libertarian perspective. <clears throat> putting out a show every uh, Monday through Friday. I did miss one episode earlier this week, and I do apologize for that. I uh, was out with, on a snowboard trip with my family, and you know, just got a little held up, and I couldn't put out that one extra show this week, which I do apologize for. Uh, but you know what? Maybe I'll make it up for, to you in a, in a later show. Who knows? But just wanted to bring uh, some some news for you today, and that's what I do. I you know I, I search thoroughly through all the news with regards to uh, what, what's going on with anyone that's going to be running, uh, any new news that they're making and so forth. And uh, I search diligently because I want to make sure that you don't have to because that is not a fun job. I mean, if you're stuck look, listening to the news all day, uh, some people are news junkies, you know, some people really love it. And maybe you're hearing information that uh, you've already heard, but some people are not so much news junkies, but they just want to get a quick recap of what's going on, and uh, this is your place to do that as well. So, uh, But anyway, I'm scouring through the news trying to find as much good information as I can, and uh, one inf- tidbit of information I came across today was from the Washington, Washington Examiner, and uh, it was written by Caitlin Carell. On February 20th, and it says the headline is Elizabeth Warren would declare national emergency for climate change, gun violence, student loan debt. So, this is obviously a response to Donald Trump, right? Because he declared this national emergency for the, uh, the wall and this, uh, this border wall that he's trying to get, get through. And the Democrats have already, you know, put up a, a little bit of resistance to this border wall thing, right? Uh, they went ahead and they're going to challenge it in court and see if it's even constitutional for the president to declare a national emergency when it comes to uh, putting up a border fence. I mean, because that's what he's been promising to do, and the Democrats wouldn't give him money for it. He shut down the government, but I don't think he wanted to. I mean, politically, it would have been disastrous for him to shut down the government for another round, right? I don't think that he or his advisors were wanting to do that. So he went ahead and signed a uh, the the budget. He went and signed the budget. I think it uh, funds the government through September, and then they got to come up with a new budget and all that. Uh, so I'm sure there's going to be fighting around that time as well. Um, but it was politically unpopular for him, I think, 
uh, to go ahead and, you know, keep the government shut down much longer. So we did that little, you know, two-week extension, then he finally signed. But then immediately when he signed that, he, I think the next day, he went and, Donald Trump went and declared a state of emergency for this border wall. So Elizabeth Warren is out there, you know, she's stumping for her candidacy. Uh, She's out in Iowa. She's hitting New Hampshire, South Carolina, and all these different states. And uh, just giving these rallies to people. And everyone's cheering her on and stuff. And she's talking about, I'm sure what she's doing is she's talking about how uh, this administration shouldn't be, or, you know, declares these national emergencies and blah, blah, blah. So let me get into the actual, um, let me get into the article. It says, Senator Elizabeth Warren, Democrat from Massachusetts, said climate change, gun violence, and student loan debt would all be national emergencies under her administration if she were elected president. Oh, let's do a list, Warren said when asked on The Late Show what she would see as a national emergency. Climate change, gun violence, student loan debt, right off the top. That's what we ought to be working on. So early, And then it says, earlier this month, month Trump, President Trump declared a national emergency at the southern border to obtain funding for the border wall when Democrats in Congress would not agree to a spending bill that included $5.7 billion for the barrier. He agreed to a bill that would include $1.3 billion for border fencing, about a quarter of what he was seeking. And then it says, Warren announced she was running for president earlier this month after launching her her candidacy, and then, so, yeah, it says, Elizabeth Warren announced she was running for president earlier this month after launching her presidency exploratory committee on the last day of 2018. She is one of a dozen Democrats, and then she's told, okay, so moving on. Warren told late-night comedian James Corden on Tuesday night that the volume of Democratic candidates is a good thing and shows energy in the Democratic Party. So the gist of the entire, her statement, though, is what I wanted to get into, right? And that is that she says, let's, you know, what would you declare a national emergency? That's what she was asked. And she goes through a list and she says, let's, well, let's just, just start off the top of my head. Um, gun violence, climate change, student loan debt, just to name a few. So I do have a problem with that. And I have a problem with Donald Trump using executive orders and executive authority that he has in order to declare these states of emergency as well. I have a problem with that because Republicans and people that support Donald Trump are going to cheer him on highly about what he's doing, saying he's uh, he's showing strength, he's showing determination, he's doing the right thing by doing this. But what it does is it sets a precedent going forward that Anything that a president wants to get done, he they can do through executive action by declaring a state of emergency. So you cheer him on if you love, if you think that Donald Trump's great and you're cheering him on for doing this, just wait till you have a Democrat in office and then they start doing things that you don't like, like declaring national emergencies for climate change, declaring national emergencies for gun violence. So we're going to declare a national emergency and come confiscate every single gun in the United States. We're going to come and, you know, shut down all vehicle driving, mandate or mandate certain things, you know, with regards to climate change, or we're going to have a national emergency on student loan debt and the government's going to take over um, or just pay off all the student loan debt and just write a write a blank check or whatever. 
Um, if you're happy with executive power for a Republican, then you damn sure better be happy for ex- executive power when the Democrat does it as well, and vice versa. Everyone was all, all these people that were all, you know, freaked out about Donald Trump getting elected back in way back when. I, I remember writing just a Facebook post that says, all of you that are, you know, all of the people that are terrified of what Donald Trump is about, you know, what you think Donald Trump is going to do, maybe you should realize that the government shouldn't have that much power. And then you would not have to worry about an executive that, you know, utilizes that power. And I wrote just, just a general Facebook post about that. But that's my concern. When you give a government as much power as it does, that it has now, and then you also allow the executive to have that much power, that's when you have to worry about all of the challenges that come up uh, with regards to the next president. Because all you're doing is setting precedence on what they are allowed to do or what the Congress overlooks that president doing. The The president has been overlooked on his... Uh, from the George Bush on with the authorization of the use of force in Afghanistan, the president has had unlimited authority pretty much to go overseas and just wage wars, bomb countries, overthrow countries at the, at the, at the, um, just by saying, oh, this, the authorization of the use of force gives me that authority to do it. And Congress has had no, has never challenged them on that until recently congress is starting to challenge the president the current president on that but i mean with george bush and with barack obama nobody has ever challenged him on on the use of force so you give the the executive that kind of authority and they exploit it and they use it and now you're going to give the executive even more authority to go out and build a border wall yeah the republicans are going to cheer him on but that is a, a gross infringement upon um, the authority that he's that he's given because he does not have that kind of authority to do that. So the, the Congress should challenge him on this. But then you have people like Elizabeth Warren who are now saying, oh, if I were president, I would do this, this, and this under this executive authority that I can, you know, declare a national emergency. And that's, that's the challenge that, you know, that we face as Americans. We need to hold these people accountable because all they're doing is you know all they're doing is spending money that this government doesn't even have in the first place that and that's going to be coming from you it's it's taking more of your liberty individual liberty and passing it up up the up the row for these people to exploit and that's what that's what um that's what politicians do is they promise 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 and the good thing is, is that there's that separation of powers where just because the president promises that they're not going to get it. But nowadays, if we set the precedent of this, just declaring a national emergency for an arbitrary idea, then it sets the precedent for the next president to do a very similar thing. And if they decide to take the, if, if, if there was a national emergency declared by a Democrat to take, to confiscate guns from the American public, you just don't know what would happen in that kind of world. And I don't want to see that kind of world. I don't want to live in that kind of world as well. Um, because then we're all just, at that point, we're all just slaves, cogs in a wheel, essentially. Um, 
and there's no way that the people can can challenge their government um which i don't i don't agree with the idea of challenging the government violently that's not what i'm saying but there is there is you know a government 50 years down the road 100 years down the road that is a complete totalitarian government needs to have guns taken away because the people would not would would rise up if if there was a totalitarian government if the people were armed there would be no, there's no way for that to happen um so anyway what i'm getting at is that we don't want to set a precedent right down right now so i think that the congress should challenge the executive on the border wall um they the constitution does say that they are in control of the purse strings and elizabeth warren is setting a nasty precedent um by even saying oh yeah i would declare a national emergency as well even though she might have been joking around she was on a late night show um you should take that issue very seriously as well because other presidents beyond her will take advantage of that also and does a liberal a liberal really want a far-right president in the future to declare states of emergency you know like like happened like what happened during world war ii we're going to declare a state of emergency and we're going to put all japan japanese people in internment camps do you want something to happen like that one day but for white people or for black people or for hispanic people or for asian people or whatever um i don't want to live in that kind of world i want to i want to live in a country where at least that executive authority is 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 in check and that's what the congress would need to do um but elizabeth warren obviously supports using executive authority by making that statement so that's my challenge with her uh, that's one challenge that i had with her i wanted to bring that particular issue to you as well and also i have some a few other articles that i wanted to bring to you as well so i found an article and it's about uh bill weld and his president his uh exploratory committee that he's going to be running to try to challenge uh donald trump and if you remember a couple days ago i did an episode about bill weld and he ran with gary johnson in 2016 as the libertarian uh vice presidential candidate and the only thing that he really brought to that i brought to the libertarian party i guess is the fact that he was able to raise more money for the for the uh for the gary johnson campaign and that's about it um i think they got on some more news shows as well i mean i maybe looked a little bit more legitimate because it was two governors running on a libertarian ticket but these guys weren't really libertarians um gary johnson if you listen to what he says he's libertarian light bill weld not so much he more i mean every whenever he gave these interviews he would talk up hillary clinton so i think he was just trying to make sure that donald trump didn't get elected i don't know but anyway the guy obviously hates donald trump and this is what the washington times says about it, about him in this article it says gop leaders have no appetite for an anti-trump candidate like bill weld to emerge and then it says former massachusetts bill governor bill weld formed an exploratory committee to take on donald trump and it drew plenty of press attention but party leaders in the early primary states say there's no appetite for an anti-trump candidate to emerge that's particularly true if it's the candidate's going to be mr weld whose last successful election was in 1994 which he ran for re-election as governor in massachusetts and whose last run was a failed failed bid 
as the Libertarian vice presidential nominee in 2016. This is something Governor Weld is interested in doing, Brian Murphy from the Republican Party chairman in Rock, Rockingham, New Hampshire, told the Washington Times, there's no groundswell within the Republican Party to do it. The same was true in Iowa. Some of the first caucuses were Scott Count where Scott County GOP Chairwoman Linda Greenlee said Mr. Weld was too low on the totem pole, and in South Carolina, where Greenville County Chairman Nathan Loop said he has no shot. So people in these early primary states are going to overwhelmingly vote for Donald Trump, unless it was somebody that had a huge amount of name recognition, right? Um... But there's really not a lot of desire for someone to run against Trump. I think generally Republicans, and especially the people that are um, his base, love the guy. I mean, he has huge. I mean, he has huge numbers of people that love him. And I think it's like 32 percent of people that just love this guy and would vote for him no matter what. Um, he even said it in 2016: if I shot someone in the streets in New York, my supporters would still vote for me. So. This article is just kind of getting into how Bill Weld um, is running, but there's just not a lot of desire. There's no appetite for an anti-Trump candidate on the Republican ticket. And I just, I agree. I don't think that there is. I think that the third parties are even going to have a challenge this time because the left-leaning third parties, like the Green Party, those people... The, the the true died in the wool liber, or the true died in the wool Green Party activists will probably vote for the Green Party, but those crossover people that vote, you know, vote Democrat, but sometimes will vote, vote Green Party because they're just, you know, they feel like they should, or they don't like Hillary Clinton. Those people are going to vote for the Democrat no matter what because they just do not want Donald Trump to be reelected. And then you have on the you know, on the right-hand side, you're just gonna have you're gonna have a challenge getting somebody to vote um, third party. And I've I've even heard that you know, Democrats, if you're gonna have a very left-leaning Democrat that's running, uh, somebody that's a progressive, someone that's a socialist, like a Bernie Sanders, if that person's running against Donald Trump, then that's gonna draw libertarian, like right, you know, uh, conservative libertarians over to vote for Donald Trump, that's going to, you know, those constitutionalist people, they're going to vote for Donald Trump. The more right-wing groups of third parties, they're going to be pulled towards voting for Donald Trump as well because they're scared of a socialist getting elected. So I just don't think that there's going to be a strong showing of third-party candidates as well in this election because of that. Now, if the Democrats go with just a you know, a Joe Biden or somebody that's not really too excited or exciting, but is just more, more towards the center, then you might have a good showing of, you know, Green Party and like Socialist Party people that, you know, that, that can get, there might be a good showing for the third party in, in those groups, but, and there, then that might help out with third parties on the right side as well, or even the libertarians who are kind of in the middle in that group, right? Um, you know, they might be willing to vote for a Republican or a Democrat, like a Tulsi Gabbard or something. Who knows? <clears throat> but I also don't think there's going to be a huge showing for third parties anyway. And I think that's what Bill Weld was thinking. He was not going to get 
the libertarian nomination. If he did, he might have been a shoe in for it. Who knows? Because there are those people that just want that person that can get the name recognition out there, um, that could get on TV. So, but I think Bill Weld realized that there's not going to be a huge showing for a third party candidate. So that's why he is, you know, just decided to become a Republican and, you know, look to challenge Trump on that. But there's uh, obviously the, uh, this article specifically says there's not an appetite for that. The final thing I wanted to bring up was a, I, I was just listening to the radio today and I came across something and what they asked was, uh, when Bernie Sanders announced that he was going to be running for president, and they basically said to him, well, there's a lot of diversity in the Democratic group right now. Uh, what makes you think that you are the right person for, for the 2020 election or for the Democratic nomination? And they basically said, you're an old white guy. Why do you, want, why do you think that you're the right person? And Bernie Sanders went and he said something that was striking. He says, we need to get Pat. And I'm not, I'm not doing the exact quote because I just heard this on the radio. And I wish I was able to find the quote, but I looked for it and I couldn't. But he basically said, we need to get past this place where race, sex, uh, religion, and these things play a factor in, you know, in the people that we elect. And I thought that was absolutely insane that he said that. And I cannot believe I haven't found more news articles about this. But then there there might be some out there, um, him saying that. Because the Democrats, they are all about identity politics in this world, aren't they? I mean, all they always talk about is, we're for the gays, we're for the blacks, we're for the Hispanics, we're for the minorities, we're for this group, we're for that group, um, we're for transsexuals, and so forth. Like, the, everything that they talk about is identity politics that's what they are the party of is identity politics and even republicans are trying to get on that bandwagon as well in some ways but that's the key to the democrats is you know i mean they have 90 i think it's like 92 percent of african americans vote vote for democrats because that's the they've learned to get people to self-identify that way um even the leaders, you know, in, in churches and so forth preach about, you know, Hillary Clinton in 2016 or voting for Barack Obama in 2008 and 2012. And, uh, the, you know, they, in the Congress, they always are bringing up specific identity politic issues. And when Bernie Sanders said that, it just blew my mind that he would even say that. But I don't know if that's going to be a you know, a nail in the coffin for his campaign, but it's definitely not the popular ideas of, of the day, but it needs to be. I mean, I thought that, I think in my mind, I don't really concern myself with somebody's race or their gender identity or their, you know, whether they're homosexual or not or, or straight. Like, I don't really concern myself too much with those issues. The first thing I look at, or if I was looking at a candidate, the first thing I look, don't look at is what race they are or what their sexual orientation is. I look at what their issues are. And that's about it, you know? So if I had the gayest, blackest candidate that was running and he was a true dyed-in-the-wall libertarian, I'll vote for him. I mean, if I voted, I would vote for him. I don't typically vote. But I would, I mean, I would support that person. That, that's not an, it, something that I would take into account. So 
when Bernie Sanders says that, we shouldn't take those things into account. That goes against the Democrat, the Democratic tradition of identity politics, man. And I think Demo- this identity politics, it's totally, total. I mean, it's total bullcrap, to be honest with you, that they do that. But it does allow them to have a voting block of people that they can speak to. Now, not all African Americans are for gay marriage and not and transsexual rights and stuff. Um, a lot they say a lot of African American voters are very conservative in their views, but they still tend to vote Democrat because there's that identity. There's you know, there's just that feeling that you need to vote Democrat because maybe they say maybe they've been told in the past Republicans are racist or Republicans are this or Republicans are that. I don't know. I'm I'm. I don't know exactly what they hear on a daily basis, but there is a reason why 92% of African Americans d- tend to vote for Democratic candidates. Um, but I just think it's a, it just leads to corruption. It, it, it's a bad way to go to market, but Democrats have seen a lot of success with that. I think that's why they typically don't get a lot of the uh, popular vote as well, because, I mean, I think more women, more white women specifically, voted for Donald Trump than voted for Hillary Clinton. Um, I think Donald Trump won the white female vote. So when you play identity politics, it, it, it excludes other people. And I think that that, I mean, that's a challenge. But hey, anyway, I just wanted to bring up the identity politics thing because when, he, when Bernie Sanders said that, it just blew my mind that he would say that, you know, as a Democrat. But he's not technically, a, he's not your typical Democrat, you know. He is a socialist. And socialists do believe in, eliminating the, or not sources, but communists specifically believe in eliminating the family, getting rid of all identity, you know, identifying features and things like that, you know, like those are things that you shouldn't take into account, um, which is good. So I support Bernie in that idea. I don't support him in his socialist views though. And you guys all know that this is, uh, ION 2020, your place to find all of the news and all the information on the 2020 election. I appreciate you coming out today and listening. Um, I was able to cover three different topics, and I, that's what I hope to do in the future as well, and bring you a couple more topics per show. But uh, you know, hopefully, I'm not rambling on too much. Sometimes I feel like I do, uh, but I appreciate you tuning in your ears. And this show is only going to get better and better as we move forward because it's going to get more and more exciting as we move closer to November of 2020. Uh, we got all of 2020 that they're going to be having you know, the primaries and so forth. Soon we're going to start having debates. It's going to be really fun. So, you know, go ahead and subscribe now so you get all of that great information for the next 18 months, all right? And uh, I appreciate you tuning your ears in today. Enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, Come back tomorrow. And today I hope that I can help to make your eyes clear for this 2020 election. And that's what I, uh, that's why I put out this podcast every day. So, Uh, Appreciate you coming out and uh, come back and listen tomorrow.